scene in its most basic form, songwriting is essentially the process of writing chord progressions, writing melodies, and writing lyrics. So in this episode, we are going to pick one of those things, in this case, chord progressions, and break down three principles for writing better chord progressions. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Adala. Honored that you take some time out of your busy day to listen or watch this podcast. I certainly know that life can be busy. There's only so much time for podcasts. So I'm super pumped that you care enough about the craft of songwriting to listen to any songwriting podcast. And of course, I'm extra honored that you picked this one today. We are talking about writing chord progressions and one of the fundamental pieces of knowledge that you need is a strong word, but would be very much assisted by is learning basic music theory for chord progressions. So if you haven't already, be sure to check out my free guide on the four pillars of music theory. I think every songwriter really needs to know this is going to be the most return on your time investment. If there are four music theory concepts to learn, these are the four that you should learn. In my opinion, my songwriting was revolutionized overnight immediately when I took a music theory class in high school and learned these four pillars. So that's why I'm super passionate about them. And One of them is chords and another one is chord progression. So it goes well with what we're talking about today. So be sure to grab that link in the description down below if you're on YouTube. Otherwise, it's at songwritertheory.com slash music theory guide. So we're talking about the three principles for writing better chord progressions. And they're sort of going to build on one another. You can almost see them as leveling up your chord progressions in a way. But they're also just three separate principles that I think work really well for taking what otherwise might be a pedestrian chord progression and making it something that is more interesting. And the first one is really simple. It's just that a little goes a long way. So the difference between a cookie cutter melody and one that's at least slightly different or interesting is very different. And this is going to be true for our chord progressions too. The difference between something that is just same old, same old and something that at least has something a little bit different or interesting about it is super subtle. So just doing something as simple as taking a really basic chord progression that you start with and taking one chord and making it a sus chord or a seventh chord or an add chord can go a long way. And then even more so, a simple step that you can take, especially if you're using stock chord progressions. Let's just say you're using a stock chord progression. So you have, we'll pick on the most stock chord progression of all, debatably, certainly the one that's made fun of the most, which would be your basic one, five, six, four, and C major would be C major, G major, A minor, and F major. So just taking that, that chord progression is so overused that for a lot of people, maybe even half the people listening or watching, especially if you've been a long time songwriter theory person, you're almost definitely responding this way. Uh, You might almost laugh at the like, oh my goodness, I've heard that a million times. Like the Axis of Awesome song that like says every pop song uses the same chord progression is literally this chord progression. The entire song where they do bits and pieces of like 20 or 30 songs is built off this one chord progression. So 
it, it's, it's even one of those chord progressions, even if you don't normally hear chord progressions, this is a chord progression you almost notice because you've just heard it so many times and it's so uh, distinctive sounding just, just because of that, really. So this is same old, same old. We've all heard that a million times. But even just doing something subtle like, all right, we'll stick with the C major chord, the basic one chord. But then just changing this to a G sus chord, so a suspended chord for our five chord instead of just a five chord that's the normal major triad. Instead, if we make it sus, and then even if we keep the rest the same, even that goes kind of a long way. It's still obviously a one, five, six, four, but this to me, all of a sudden it got just that little bit more interesting just by swapping out one chord, much less if we do it to two or three chords where we just add something subtly different. So let's say we again, just keep the basic one chord. We do that suspended chord for the five chord, same chord, still a G chord. It's just G sus instead of, um, instead of just a regular G major chord. And then for the A minor, let's, I don't know, let's do a add four or something. Oh, okay. That's interesting and different. And then a regular F major chord again. So I don't love that, but point is you can workshop it, right? But small little things like swapping one chord out already can start to go a long way. And then certainly if you're swapping two, let's say your chord progression has four chords. If you're swapping two out, then that can certainly go an even longer way. Let's try something a little different. So what if it's regular major chord, then a five chord, that's a sus chord. We're keeping that part. And then what if for the A, instead of just an A minor, we do an A minor seventh. Okay. Okay, that's already starting to get somewhere, right? Now, unfortunately with the, that's so distinctive that it's almost hard to get away from that sometimes. But if even that chord progression can kind of be redeemed by just swapping out one or two chords or at least be made to be somewhat interesting, just slightly interesting, then certainly in any chord progression, just taking the time to be like, hmm, my whole chord progression is major chords and minor chords. It's just basic triads, which there's nothing wrong with. But if you're looking to add just a little bit more intrigue to that chord progression, or you think your chord progression is kind of vanilla and you kind of want to see if you can just add a little spice to it, a little bit can go a long way. So pick one chord. A process that you can do is pick a chord that you have in your, let's say it's a four chord progression, and just try swapping out one of them with a type of sus chord. So you could either do a sus two chord or a sus four chord, which sus four chord and a regular sus chord are the same. Whenever you hear sus chord, it's always assumed to be a sus four chord, uh, unless it's specified to be a sus two, then it's a sus two chord. Um, we won't talk about that at length because we talk about that in other episodes. I'm pretty sure there's a whole episode just about sus chords. Uh, just swapping out a chord for a sus chord, whether a four or a two can go a long way, or you can have a seventh chord, right? Where you add that seventh to your chord uh, or sound like that. It's the same chord, just a different inversion. And you can also use five chords. This is something that I think a lot of times people don't consider. You can actually take away a note 
And that can be something interesting just because if you listen to this, that's a C major chord. It's obviously major. And then let's say a C minor chord. Okay, obviously minor. But what if we just take out the third completely? Now it's, we don't know if it's major or minor. And that can actually make it more interesting just because it's more mysterious, it's more vague. Whereas this is obviously major, this is obviously minor. This could be major or minor. We don't know if the third is this or that. So even a five chord can be something that, even though technically it's taking away a note from your chord, can make it more interesting. And then of course you have add chords. When in doubt, you can always go to an add chord, which is you take your chord and you just decide to add another note. So this is a C major chord. We could add the second, which usually would be called an add nine chord. Okay, that makes it more interesting. Or we could add the four, which would be usually called an add 11. Then you really get this dissonance here. Or you can add a six. And again, this is just the basic major chord, just with adding one more note. So a little bit can go a long way with your chord progressions. Something I'd start with, take one chord in your progression and try something different. Try a sus chord instead. Try a five chord instead, a seventh chord instead. You can keep the basic chord you have. So if you have a basic four chord, so it's an F major chord in the context of C major, you don't have to change it from an F chord. Just don't have it be an F major chord. Have it be an F sus chord, an F sus two chord, uh, F five chord, or an F sep, uh, major seventh chord. A little bit can go a long way. Second thing, and maybe one of my favorite discoveries for specifically chord progression writing, is to view the bass as separate. So you can think of level one of chord progression writing is really not even writing chord progressions at all. It's just utilizing the stock chord progressions that are out there. So this is sort of like you know you're going to move into an apartment complex and there's like three different versions of an apartment that you can choose from. They're just copy and pasted across the whole place. You can't design your apartment or anything. It's already built. You just get to choose one of them. It's all pre-arranged where the kitchen is, how big the kitchen is, how many bedrooms it has. That's all pre-arranged. You're just choosing which one. That's like picking a stock chord progression, which is what people usually do and is good to do at the beginning of your songwriting journey when you wouldn't even know how to make your own chord progression outside of randomly guessing, which is going to take a while. It's going to be a frustrating process. Not necessarily a bad thing to try, but it's better to learn some music theory first so that you understand how to write a chord progression. So at the beginning of your chord progression of your songwriting journey, it actually makes sense to start with simply choosing a stock chord progression. So whether it's the one, five, six, four that we talked about, or maybe a one, six, five, four would be another one, or there's the two, five, one chord progression. There are a bunch of stock ones that are used over and over again. If you look at like most popular chord progressions, you'll see the same like seven over and over again. So that's one place that you can start. That's kind of like level one where you, it's like the apartment complex thing, right? Where there's three options in this case, like seven stock chord progressions, give or take. And you just get to choose which one. You're not designing your apartment. You're not building the apartment building. You're not customizing it. It just is what it is. There's one that has two bedrooms. There's one that has one bedroom. And then there's one that has two bedrooms. And one of them is a master bedroom. So it has a second bathroom or one's a townhouse, something like that. 
That's level one. Level two is individual chords. So this is when you're no longer thinking of chord progressions just as a chord progression. So you don't assume, oh, I'm either taking a one, five, six, four, or a one, six, four, five, or a one, four, five, four. You're not thinking like that. Instead, you're thinking by individual chord. So this would be like, you know, designing, say, a house room by room. You're you're actually building the house. So you you can sort of decide as you're building the house which options you want. But there's still sort of limited options. So maybe it's like having somebody build a house for you that's like a prefab house where you, you basically, it's like, oh, we offer three different living rooms. And you can combine any of those three living rooms with any of these four bedroom options that we have on the first floor. And then there's like three bedroom options for the second floor. So it's still not fully custom, right? Because it's a company that specializes in, we have these sort of set rooms that we can build as a part of your house. Um, but it's, it's more custom. You're at least thinking room by room instead of thinking like, here's my whole apartment complex. Here's my whole house that I'm going to live in. So that would be like, okay, I'm going to start with a one chord and then I'm actually going to choose to go to a two chord and then I'm going to choose to go to a four chord and then a five chord and then back to the one, right? Because in that case, I'm, I, I didn't take a whole chord progression as a whole. I didn't say I'm going to do one, five, six, four, and that's it. I went chord by chord. All right, I'm going to do one chord, a two chord, four, five go to a six, go back to a four, five, one. I don't know. That is sort of level two of chord progression writing. You're still using basic chords, but you're at least picking by individual chord instead of just taking a stock chord progression as a whole. Level three is, is now seeing it as two separate parts, which as a pianist is going to be more intuitive than for a lot of other instrumentalists. But it's essentially seeing it instead of, even when I just described that, right? I said a one chord, a two chord, a four chord, a five chord, a one chord, right? So that's C ma in the context of C major, C major, D minor, F major, G major, and then back to C major. Cool, fine, whatever. But something else I can do, instead of taking it as a whole chord, I can break it apart into two parts, which again, for a pianist, is pretty intuitive. Basically, my left hand, the bass part, and my right hand, which is the normal chord. Or if you're a guitarist, a way you could see it as the inversion of the chord you're using or having a different note in the bass. Maybe the best way to see it, if you're not a pianist, is you're playing a chord with your guitar. Maybe it's a G major chord. But you might actually have the bass guitarist play a B instead of playing a G, which by default, for a G major chord, the bass guitarist would play a G. But if you have the bass guitarist play a B instead, that actually changes the sound of the chord pretty significantly. This and this do not sound the same, right? You probably can hear that. And that's just by changing the bass note. What I did up here is exactly the same. It's still a G major chord. G major with a G in the bass, which is default. G major with a B in the bass. What about G major? with a C in the bass. All of a sudden it's getting more interesting, right? So this is just that next level where now not only are we going chord by chord, so we have the one, the two, four, five, whatever. We've covered that one a bunch. But now we can separate it where I'm like, okay, 
Let's try instead a one chord. We'll keep the same chord progression, but this time I'm not taking for granted that the bass part is necessarily just going to be the tonic of the chord. So I'm not taking for granted that it's going to be C major chord with the C in the bass, D minor chord with the D in the bass, F major chord with an F in the bass, and a G major chord with the G in the bass. Let's not take that for granted. This time I'm going to do a C major chord, but I'm going to put the E in the bass instead. And then we'll do a D minor chord with a D in the bass. We'll keep that the same. And then F major, we'll choose to have a C in the bass. And then G major, we'll have a B in the bass, right? So all of a sudden, totally different sound. We have... Totally different sound than... Even though it's the exact same chord progression. The only thing I changed is what note is in the bass. And I didn't even change it that radically because everything I did was technically an inversion where it still was a note from the chord that was in the bass. We had a C major with an E in the bass. E is in a C major chord. D, D, D minor with a D in the bass, which is just normal. That's what you'd expect. That's the root being in the bass. F major with a C in the bass. There is a C and an F major chord. And then a G major chord with a B in the bass. G major chord also includes a B. So these are all just inversions. I'm just picking not the root note to be in the bass part. So again, if you're thinking like a, a, a somebody in a band and therefore you're not thinking like a pianist where you have your left hand versus your right hand, it's a little easier, I think, to think this way as a pianist. For you, just translate this into what you as the acoustic guitarist or electric guitarist are doing for the chord versus what your bass guitarist is doing. So in this case, you have that you're playing a C major chord and your bass guitarist is playing an E. And then you're playing a D minor chord and your bass guitarist is playing a D. And then you're playing a F major chord and your guitarist is playing a C. And then you're playing a G major chord, but your guitarist is playing a B. So this is a super simple way, super simple way to make your chord progressions way more interesting. It's a super easy way to create interesting chords and harmonies. And, and, and there's really two different versions of it. There's just using different inversions, which is just pick a note other than the root note of your chord, AKA other than the note that the chord is named after. So in a C major chord, the root is a C. In a D minor chord, the root is a D. E minor chord, the root is an E, etc. Just pick another note in the chord. So taking a C major chord, the three notes of a C major chord are C, E, and G. Pick one of the other notes to be in the bass other than C. So instead of C in the bass, we can have E in the bass or we can have G in the bass. And it changes the sound pretty radically of the chord, even though technically the chord stayed exactly the same, we just changed the bass note. So that's one way you can do this, but you also can totally separate out the bass line where it actually isn't a chord that is in, that, that is in, in the chord at all. So just as a quick example, let's, let's pick one where it's just inversions. So we could have a C major chord, and then an F major chord with an A in the bass, which is an inversion, it's just the first inversion because A is in an F major chord. And then a C major chord with a G in the bass, which is also just an inversion, a second inversion because G is in a C major chord. And then uh, let's do just a regular F major chord. So you have 
just to listen from beginning to end. These are all just inversions. Or we could change it so that all of them are inversions after the first chord. So we have this. That is the same chord progression fundamentally as literally one, four, one, four, C major, F major, C major, F major, which would be super boring, right? Boring. Just change the inversion of the chords. Or all of a sudden way more interesting just by changing the inversion. So then the next level is something where we can change inversions, yes, but we also can go steps further and actually have notes in the bass that aren't in the chord. An example I like to use of this because I'm a big fan of a pedal tone. Pedal tone is basically a note that you sustain when the chords change that may or may not actually be in the notes in the new chord. So just as an example, if we take a one... This is a really basic chord progression, right? One, five, four. You've heard this a million times. So this would be C major, G major, F major. Pretty boring in pedestrian. Let's, instead of changing the bass note to be the tonic of each chord, the root of each chord, let's keep C in the bass the whole time. So the bass actually moved less. It didn't move at all. And all of a sudden we have something way more interesting because we have separated out what our bass is doing and what our chords are doing. And in this case, we actually kept the bass doing the same thing the whole time. And it actually created a more interesting progression, in my opinion. It is way more interesting to me than... Even though, really, we just made it simpler. We kept, we kept the C in the bass, the one in the bass the tonic in the bass, because this is in C major, and we kept C in the bass. So a, a tip off of this is reverse engineer chord progressions from the bass parts. This is a thing that I very often do now. I think it will help you as well. And what I mean by this is instead of thinking in terms of chords, actually write a bass line first and then figure out what chords you want to go on top of that bass line. Partially because I think the character of chords almost more so comes from the bass part than it does the rest of the chord. The rest of the chord gives color to it. But, I mean, this example to me is a good example of just how profound the bass note specifically is in giving the overall sound. Or how this is the same chord progression as... Actually, I think I... One, five, six, four. So just having this instead of this, just a different inversion. Sounds totally different because you get this if we go from one to four versus same chord. Just changing the inversion goes a long way, much less maybe having something like this. where we actually keep F in the bass and then do a C major chord and F major chord. So anyway, try reverse engineering your chord progression where you actually make a bass line. Say you want your bass line to be... Or... 
Let's say that's what you want your baseline to be. And then figure out chords that can go on top of that. So maybe with your E, let's say we're in C major, you want the C major chord on top of that. And then for the F, you want the easy choice would be an F major chord. But let's say instead it's uh, let's actually keep it, keep it a C major chord. Why not? So C major chord, but first inversion with an E in the bass. And then a C major chord with an F in the bass. And then actually, let's keep it C major in the right hand, but A in the bass, which effectively just makes it an A minor seventh chord. And then let's finish with a G sus chord. So we get. Which that, maybe to your ears, is a little bit more interesting than it otherwise would be if we just went with the default sort of, oh, let's write a chord progression and just assume the bass is going along with it. So something to consider, reverse engineer your chord progression from a bass line. Write a bass line that you like and then figure out a chord to go on top of that bass note uh, that you think works to your ears. Last principle here. Give your progression its own melody. So something I like to think about when, when writing is trying to put melodies everywhere. Because the melody is the most important part of your song, almost undebatably. I'm a big lyrics fan. If your lyrics aren't, if, if, if the lyrics I think aren't good, I'm totally disinterested in the song. I don't care if everything else is great. Um, usually, there are always exceptions. But for, but for me personally, I, I do care deeply about lyrics. And even as somebody who cares deeply about lyrics and say, what is the point of a song if the lyrics are junk? To me, there is no point. Even as somebody who feels that way, melody is the most important part. Because if it's not an interesting melody, nobody's interested in the song. With very little exception. The melody is absolutely king. It's the main thing that everybody notices, except for like drummers. But drummers only notice drum parts often. Instrumentalists are always their own breed. But for your average person listening to a song, melody's king. So why just have a, a vocal melody for your song? If you can constantly be putting just little melodies, little memorable parts everywhere. And we can do this in our chord progressions as well, where instead of just thinking in terms of we talked our last level we talked about, right, was separating the bass part from the rest of the chord. So if you're thinking like in the context of a band, you have the guitarist playing a chord and then bass player playing maybe a different note other than the root of the chord. Or if you're a pianist, you would just think in terms of your left hand versus your right hand. So something that you can do is think about how you can arrange your chords so that it actually has a little bit of its own melody in there. Let me give you an example. Let's take this and see if you can pick out the melody that's inside of this chord progression. So that is a chord progression. That's what that is. And it's not even a complex chord progression. And yet, you probably heard a melody in there, which was... If you didn't, let's listen again. So you're getting essentially two different parts that your ear could latch onto. There's the... 
right? Which everybody's heard a million times before. And then you have the. And that just comes from as you're writing a chord progression, thinking about how you can have a bit of a melody, a little bit of a hook embedded into that chord progression. So breaking this chord progression down, it's just a C major chord, which this song is in C major. So the one chord, plain old one chord. And then we have a G sus chord. And the way it's arranged, we have the E go down to the D. So we have, and then if you remember the rest of the little melody part is, so we have, and then we have still that G sus chord, which you could also see as a C sus two chord with an A in the bass, which you could analyze a bunch of different ways. You could say the, oh, that's an, an A minor seventh chord without the fifth and with a fourth added, or it's a C add two or C sus two chord with an A in the bass, a bunch of different ways to analyze it. That's probably the most exotic chord. It's not exotic, but it's, it's the only one that's not incredibly clear and simple in this chord progression. And really it's just used as a way to, to add to the melody where we have and then it resolves to a regular A minor seventh chord. So right here, that's resolving into an a, just a basic A minor seventh chord. Um, so we just have that sort of held over D note from the previous G sus chord. So, And then the last part is an F major chord. But I just arrange it in such a way where the highest note of it is the C. Because if instead I do, all of a sudden the melody changes, right? Now it's instead of, so listen, again, exact same chord progression, just changing the arrangement a little bit, thinking about what melody I want to add compared to exact same chord progression. That's an F major chord both times. I just thought about where, how to arrange it, what notes to have where in my right hand in order to change what the melody is, which for the record in the actual song, every time is, I'm sorry, except for the last time does go. And just as an extra hint here, if you want to add like just, just a little melody, something that makes your chord progression a little bit more interesting, a way to think about it is first of all, if your chord progression has kind of a rhythm to it, other than just like four beats of one, four beats of another, it's going to be kind of hard to do that. If you have four beats of one, four beats of another, one measure of one chord, one measure of another chord, having us just some sort of rhythm to your chord progression that is could be something melodic or a little bit more interesting uh, is going to go a long way. But then also something to think about is usually the, the things that people hear the most are the lowest part and the highest part. So very often, if you want to insert a melody, you can do it in one way, which would be the bass line. That's one thing that usually people hear is the... And then the other thing is usually the highest note. Now, in this example, I actually had the middle note of my right hand, for the most part, carry that little melody. Because in this, I have this G up here, 
but the melody that you're hearing probably is with the E, D, D, E, C. So I'm holding that G, which is above. But you could choose to rearrange it where it's like that, and then all of a sudden the highest note is actually the... And then it might stand out more. Now in this case, I opted with this. I just liked it better. I thought it sounded a little better with that inversion where it's, it's actually built on the root. Regardless. The easy way, though, to make sure that your melody will stand out is to have it actually be the highest note or the lowest note. Or you can combine both. You can have a bass line and then you can have a chord progression that has a melody in it, which as a pianist, you'd think of it as left hand and then right hand where you have some sort of more melodic part in there. Or if you're in a band, you'd think, again, bass part would be for well, <laughs> the bass player. And then you as a guitarist might be more thinking about what note is the highest note you let ring out. So say on the high E string, or or maybe you just mute the high E string and you just let the B string be where the melody is. So because the B string is where the melody is, you're like, okay, I'm going to make sure I keep the high E string muted because then that constant E might distract people from the melody that's going on on the B string. That's more like... So if you have, it still will probably stand out, but um, an easy hack, just simply have the highest note or lowest note be the thing that is doing the melodic thing. So in summary, we talked about a little added goes a long way to a chord progression. Then view the bass as separate from the chord progression is a great way or principle for writing better chord progressions. Instead of thinking in terms of this chord, this chord, this chord, you think this bass part with this chord, this bass note with this bit with this chord is a great, 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 easy way to level up your chord progressions. And then finally, to also think about giving your progression sort of its own melody where there's something built into the progression that's just a little earworm, as some people call it, that they might notice. Again, this chord progression is very pedestrian generally. Like it's not, there's nothing special about this chord progression. It's not doing anything super interesting harmonically. The most interesting part of it is, is probably the rhythm, I guess. But even that is, it's whatever. Um, but a part of what makes it a little more interesting is just the fact that I took a little time to think about how I can have a little melody in there, which is the, and that can go a long way. And no, that's not the same as the vocal melody. If you're wondering, vocal melody is totally separate. It kind of defeats the purpose. If you just have your melody in your chord progression, that's embedded in your chord progression, just be the same as the vocal melody that, that kind of defeats the purpose. The purpose is you know, the first 30 times people are listening to your vocal melody, but then on the 31st time they notice like, Ooh, actually there's, there's kind of like a, an alternate melody that I could see myself humming that's in the piano part or that's in the bass part. And, you know, maybe they'll notice it way, way before that, but the more little things that you can give people where they're like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Or, Oh, that's kind of interesting really makes it something that, uh, allows your song to stay interesting over time. And just the more awesome little things you can add to your song, a little bit goes a long way. You know, there's this melody. There is, that's, that's, there's nothing revolutionary about that at all, right? Super simple. That on its own is not going to make a song. But if you combine that with an interesting vocal melody, 
And you combine that with a rhythm that's not just your super basic one measure, one measure. And, you know, then you add another instrument part that's just kind of a little interesting. And the lyrics are pretty good. All, just paying attention to detail at all these levels, added up, stacked all together, makes a big difference. So not every part needs to be revolutionary, but every part, just putting that little bit extra thought into it, when you stack them all together, can end up making a huge difference in your song. So hopefully this was helpful to you. Go out, try some of these things. And again, if you were confused by anything that I said with like, what on earth, inversions, and we're talking about C major chord, and what on earth is a C major chord, or how do you know this is in C major, the key... I don't understand keys. How'd you even think of like one chord, two chord, four chord, five chord? What on earth are you talking about, Joseph? If you're confused about any of that, be sure to check out my free guide on the four pillars of music theory that I think every songwriter needs to know. We talk about intervals in that, which is sort of at the basis of everything important in music theory. Then we talk about um, keys, which is maybe the single most important thing to understand. Keys is basically giving you a subset of notes that you know will work a well together and b sort of have a certain sound in combination with what their root is so it's understanding that pretty much anything i do is going to sound pretty good if i stay say in c major and i know the chords i have all right i'm just making up stuff here super simple right but like i just know okay c major has C, D, E, F, G, A, B. So for pianists, just all the white keys. And then I know the main chords in that key, which uh, are going to be our C major, G major, A minor, F major. Those are your main ones. Uh, you also can throw in a three chord. I'm a big fan of three chords. But I know the chords I have. I know the notes I have to play in the melody. And that just goes a long way with you can basically always improvise something that sounds good at any time. So then it makes it so that in an hour of improvising where everything you do is going to sound generally good because you're staying within a key, it allows you to be more picky about like, okay, so if I improvise for an hour, all of it sounded good. So the only stuff that I'm going to keep and maybe develop into a song is the really good stuff that I accidentally stumbled upon. Whereas if you don't understand keys and chords in the context of keys and chord progressions, which again is what's taught in this free guide, songwritetheory.com slash music theory guide, then, you know, most of what you play is probably going to sound bad. And then when you finally stumble upon something that sounds decent, you're going to be like, oh, that's a keeper, right? What I just did was super pedestrian, easy, whatever. Is that the same thing I did? I don't know. It might actually be the same thing I did, which is surprising because I was like a minute ago that I remembered. But anyway, that super pedestrian came up with at the top of my head i have no desire technically it's recorded right but i will never listen to that again because that's it's whatever right I, I i can improvise at that level all the time there's nothing interesting about that but if you spend an hour and and it's the first time you're like oh my goodness i strung three chords together that sounded good and the melody sounded all right then it, it just like lowers the value of 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 what you think is worthy of developing into a song which we'll talk about in more detail later but I would tell you this, if you've been to somebody on the fence, I know I'm going on about this more than I usually do, maybe because it's a video podcast now, but the biggest leap in songwriting efficiency, song how, how, how good I felt about songs I was writing, 
is the before and after of taking a music theory class in high school. Before I was lost, it felt like it was voodoo and luck to figure out, you know, what chords went well together and how to write a melody that worked and all that sort of thing. It it felt like a slog and that it was luck when I finally came across something that worked. And then after learning basic music theory, all of a sudden that part was easy, right? And it's not a talent thing. It's not, it's literally just a knowledge thing. It's just a knowledge thing. All you need to do is learn keys learn chords, learn the basics of chord progressions in the context of keys. And it will be probably the biggest before and after in, in all of your songwriting journey is the before you knew basic music theory and the after. I promise you will make a huge difference. So be sure to check that out. Thank you so much for watching. I appreciate every single one of you. Again, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy week to talk songwriting. I'm glad you care about the craft of songwriting. As much as I do, because you're listening to a podcast, I'm making a podcast. That means we both care about songwriting. That pumps me up because I care about songwriting. And of course, I want other people to care about it too. So thank you for caring about songwriting. Thank you for giving this podcast a shot. Hope it was helpful to you. And I'll talk to you in the next one.